Quality Files. We're recording, Clayton. Hello. What are they listening to? This is Oddity Files, the, the podcast. podcast. We're and I'm Clayton Abbott. And I'm Kitsy Duncan, speaking <laughs> over Clayton Abbott, because that's what I do. <laughs> We're a creepy paranormal podcast where we talk about all the weird stuff we find on the interwebs. Sometimes it's creepy. Sometimes it's a thing that makes you go, hmm. What's that? And otherworldly, cryptid, cryptic, crypto. I don't know which one of those words is the correct word. In Ufology. Scenario. Yes. Hauntings, <laughs> legends, lore, urban legends, and hauntings, I think I already said. <laughs> all those. All the stuff and all the things. <laughs> We're here. We are, your, we are your favorite source for paranormal shit. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Oh, so what's new with you? Not too much. Um, Is the yeah. raccoon still? Really? Actually, we don't know where Ricky went. Oh, so the, the heavy metal music worked? It may have worked. It also, the fact that DJ Jimmy smacked it with a broom. Oh, shit. May have just been like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> I, okay, so here's what I'm picturing, because I only p- picture it with... Somebody smacking somebody with a broom if it's a woman with curlers in her hair and a muumu. So, DJ Jimmy, did you have curlers in your hair and were you wearing a muumu? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Dreams. Hashtag goals. Uh, I love it. Nothing too creepy going on here. I don't think. No more Bigfoot sounds? No, thank God, because that's kind of scary. Um, uh, wait, now you're scared? I'm confused. Well... <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, but I still think he just wants a hug. I was watching something or another. Oh, some, something new on the Travel Channel. Surprise. And it was about this cop who was looking for a Bigfoot um, because a guy had called in a couple times about it. And he he just knew it was something. And and he get that he got that feeling somebody was standing behind him watching him. And then he smelled it. And apparently Bigfoot smells worse than death. So... Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to work on that whole hugging something that smells worse than death. Thing. Well, in my dad's experience with Bigfoot, he said that they had like an overwhelming like stench. So do you think they're like skunks and put that scent out there or they always smell like that? I mean, if I were to think about it, if a big hairy man lived out in the woods yeah. and like it gets hot and humid. It does. Here, so... If they sweat and it's just gross and B.O. and outside things. They don't brush their teeth. No. I've met some people like that at some conventions we've been to. I bet it's I bet it's that. <laughs> Literally that. Maybe I can house train him. Teach him how to shower. Oh, my God. Brush and floss Groom his him. teeth. Yeah, absolutely. Take Bigfoot to the groomer. Okay, we can hug. But first. <laughs> we have to go to the groomer. I need you to do this for me. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been having really weird dreams lately, really? though, that I remember for like 20 minutes after I wake up, and then they're gone. Whoa, you I should get a dream me. diary. I should. But usually they freak me out, and I don't want to think about them anymore. <laughs> I just know it's a sense of, not dread, but stress, maybe. It happens. Mm. Yeah. I've been deep in the bowels of editing still. Yes. Pretty stoked for this season, guys. I really... Cannot stress enough how much you need to add oddity files to your Amazon watch list because, damn, this is going to be good. And actually later on tonight, we're shooting our new opener. Yay. So excited. I pulled out all the stops and got in touch with, because Clayton was having a hell of a time finding the location. Yeah. Understandably so. Um, But I, I got a hold of an urban explorer friend of mine on Facebook, and he's like, Oh, I've got the place for you. That's so cool. So it does look great. The photos are kind of amazing. He says it's totally haunted as well. Oh, fitting. Yeah. How funny so. would that be if we were just like there to shoot B-roll and then... <laughs> yeah. And then we get like the most intriguing evidence ever when, on like a regular camera. When we get evidence, it's like some of the most crazy things will happen when we're just like walking to the next session and or just like chatting before we really start recording. Yeah. 
and then a door slams and you're like, of course. Did I ever tell you the first actual EVP I ever captured? No. So Chris and I used to um, be independent horror filmmakers back in the day and we were location scouting a place that will not let us investigate because I've tried on several times. It's Muscatatuck. Yeah. Um, It's an old poor farm slash hospital thing there. And they open it up for people to film. You get the insurance, you pay, and you can film there. And we were just walking around with a camera, getting some video, and we got our first EVP. Whoa. Can't for the life of me remember what it said right now because (laughs) I'm Alzheimer's years old. But I was like, what the fuck? Babe, come here. I mean, this is before I was even into yeah, paranormal yeah, yeah. At, at all. And it, I think it was down near the morgue. Whoa. Of course. Naturally. So I'm going to have to find that. That's crazy. It's got to be on a hard drive somewhere. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, my life right now. I've just been kind of locked in the dungeon. And you've been going nuts with Chris on all the events Work. and stuff. We've got the going on job. for the day job. <laughs> <clears throat> We did announce this week that we're going to be doing an event at Scarlet Lane Brewery. Yeah. They're in Southside Indianapolis location on Meridian Street. Check out all our socials, even our Facebook page. We have an events page. Remind me to get that up before that episode. this episode airs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're super stoked about it. Yeah, I am excited. It should be fun. Doing one at a brewery just sounds like... I know. Exciting. <laughs> and they are, they do consider themselves the um, the brewery of horror or something along those lines. Someone has to be. Yeah, they have a beer out right now. I, I guess it's all like IPAs. I don't know anything about beer, to be okay. perfectly honest. But it's called Ghost 2.1. Ooh. Yeah. I, I asked Josh if he could maybe hold some of that back. I might drink <laughs> a beer if it's named after a ghost. Right. We'll see. Um, if you guys are interested in what else we do, we are all over the socials at Oddity Files, basically on every platform, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, even on Facebook, you can find the TV show or we have a secret Facebook group where we release some secret information or just some information that we give our group before we like make it public for everyone else. So head on over to Facebook to search Oddity Files fan, fan group. group. Yeah. I think and so. yeah, one... One of us will approve you. We don't turn anyone away. No, we don't. And as I was editing, I think I created a deleted scene because there's not going to be enough time, enough time in it. Yeah. For uh, in the episode for it, and it's um, where we're telling Anna she has to go home. Ooh. I thought that might be a nice little Facebook group exclusive. That clip. is good. Yeah. So I just wanted your approval on that. We actually had one of our friends today. I saw, um, say that she was rewatching. Jailhouse Pizza the night Oh, Nikki. Yeah. That's her favorite. I, I know. love that one. It's that, good. I mean, that investigation has like a weird place in my memory as well. Just- it's, yeah, it's one of the locations where I walked away and I, I just felt completely unsettled. Me too. And not because of your past experience there, because of something new that was there. It was strange. There were just a lot of... It was just a lot of weird energy that time around. Yeah. That was di- like, look, I'm getting goosebumps right now. That yeah. we just, because a lot of stuff happened the first time around as well. But I don't know. There was just something different that happened that yeah. second time. Yeah. And it didn't feel the same at all. Not at all. Well, and that's the one after that one, like I had some residual effects as well. And that's why I was like, some things just need to be left, like just yeah. left. And then when we found out that the sheriff's father's name was Walter. Yeah. Like that. That scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, See, that's crazy. I had dreams about it. I had visions during meditation about whatever that thing was. Downstairs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the basement is so creepy. I'm covered in goosebumps right now. Yeah. I don't want to mention the entity's name, but the. I just had this vision during meditation at one point of the basement at Jailhouse and this thing coming up the stairs. I did this movement that none of you are going to appreciate, but um, that looked like Gollum. Yeah, for just lack like of on a all term. fours. Yeah, um, like pretty quickly, like coming up the stairs. Yeah, you think it's terrifying? Yeah, um, and I immediately called my spirit medium friend Tiffany. She's like, right. I, "It's not with you." I can tell you that much. I'm like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those that we're like really happy. We're 
fortunate to have investigated there. Yeah. But it's just, ugh. I'm not sure I want to go back. I don't think we need to. I mean, no. two's enough. Yeah. And it's not like at Lake County Jailhouse where it's like, I enjoy investigating there because it's, I feel like that place, if anywhere has a story, it's that place. Right. And you walk in expecting darker, angry spirits because it right. was a jail. Well, I guess this one was too, but just on a different level. Very different level. Um, and Is that season one? I think so. First part? Yes. Yes. But what's also interesting is it's right next to the Ohio River. Yeah. So is Higginsport. So it's like, is there some sort of like... Water creates energy. Oh, that's what I'm... Yeah. You know. Who knows? I don't know. That's crazy. If, if you guys are wondering, if you haven't seen that episode, it is at Jailhouse Pizza in Brandenburg, Kentucky. Brandenburg, Kentucky? I think so. And Thoughts are hard. We actually, that was my very, very first full-on investigation. And that's also where we think we picked up my friend Walter that was attached to the spear Clayton's box for a little while. Attachment, yeah. And then, so we went back, was it five years later? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We went like five years later and did a and part two. We called it the night he came the home. The night he came home because <laughs> Walter came home. But, uh, yeah, there's yeah. some good episodes. Um, that one, again, it just left us unsettled. I feel like so many times when we're investigating, there's closure at the end of it. That mm-hmm. one, there just wasn't. No, we were just like, it was also one of those that was three and a half hours from home. And we were yeah. driving home after the investigation. And I, I drove separate. And it was just one of those, the whole drive back, I just felt like a crazy amount of paranoia. Like I kept looking in my backseat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's just like never a good feeling to have. That's when it's nice to actually all of us kind of ride together because we can kind of talk it out and decompress decompress together and all that. Yeah. So I did that with Carter and Maddie. So (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Enough talking about ourselves and patting Uh. ourselves on the back. We apologize. Um, I do have some paranormal in the news and I am super freaking stoked about this. So Amazon orders supernatural comedy starring Peg and Frost, Simon Peg and Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. Amazon Prime Video has picked up the global rights to Truth Seekers from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Miles Ketley's production company, Stolen Picture. This new UK-produced Amazon original comedy horror series will launch exclusively on Amazon Prime Video in over 200 countries and territories. How do they get to be in over 200 countries? Wow. We can't even get in Canada. Producers. Yeah, whatever. Um, so it's Nick Frost as Gus, Simon Pegg as Dave. Truth Seekers is a horror comedy series about a team of part-time paranormal investigators, sound familiar, <laughs> <laughs> who team up and uncover and film ghost sightings across the UK, sharing their adventures on an online channel for all to see. It's a little too spot on with our lives right now. However, as they stake out haunted churches, underground bunkers, and abandoned hospitals with their array of homemade ghost detecting gizmos, remind me to hit on homemade there when I'm done with this, their supernatural experiences grow more frequent, more terrifying, and even deadly. Dun, dun, dun. As they begin to uncover a conspiracy that could bring about Armageddon, for the entire human race. Whoa. Sounds good, though. Yeah. Anything those two touch. That's what I was going absolute to say. Absolute gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of homemade gadgets, I went and visited yes. a friend mm-hmm. last week. Or was that this week? No, that was last week. Last week. In San Antonio, who owns a guitar shop. Right. Who has all the stuff and all the things to make wonder boxes. Mm-hmm. So he and I, it's called Wolf Music Studios. Check them out on Facebook. Um, we kind of played around and figured out all the pieces we need to get to put one together. It's going to be a little bit smaller, right. a whole hell of a lot lighter, <laughs> and always more portable. And I think we're going to call it the Odd Box. I like that. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out a way to put the Wolf name in there too, but sorry, Alex. We'll always say it was parts provided by Wolf Absolutely. Music Studios. <laughs> so that came in the mail yesterday. All oh, the pieces. Wow. That's so great. I'm gonna work on that, you know, because I have all the time in the world. <laughs> and see if we can get that going and then maybe investigate somewhere soon. Cause I've every time I edit, 
I get the itch. I know. Well, I do have an email in my inbox. They're just like waiting on a date from us. Really? I think like a month ago you said, oh, I think I found a place to investigate. I'll tell you after the podcast. Right. (laughs) And I still don't know what you're talking about because that is our lives. It's a castle. Ooh. I think I may know where you're talking. Yay. I've always wanted to go there. So that's paranormal in the news and everything that's going on in my life. Am I forgetting anything? I really feel like I am. No, I think we covered social and upcoming events and merch. Merch. We, we still have merch. Have tons of merch. And I have ideas. I just haven't thrown them together yet for some more merch. Right. You go to oddityfiles.com and then up in the header there, you click on shop. It's fun little t-shirts we put together, sometimes stickers, sometimes beach towels, which I totally need to order that weird as the new cool beach towel. (laughs) And it's just something fun we do that helps us pay DJ Jimmy to put this uh, podcast together. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's it. Well, I have a story. I have a story. I actually don't remember who goes, though. I like just listened to the podcast two days ago, too. Is it me? Yeah. Oh, oh, yay. Look at the good idea. I should probably open my story on my thing. So my story is The Curse of Giles Corey. Okay. Have you heard of this? Giles Corey sounds familiar. Okay. Um, so Monday morning, super rough for me. It was one of those mornings where nothing went right. I woke up thinking about stupid shit that is and will always be out of my control and was frustrating as hell. Mm-hmm. Everybody has those mornings. It's usually a Monday, right? And then... I spilled my fucking coffee everywhere. Oh, I mean, like walls, countertops, the floor, and my favorite brand new pajama pants. Oh, no. So not only one tragedy, tragedy, coffee spilled, two, my favorite. I got the coffee stains out, though, just in case you guys (laughs) were concerned. Uh. Coffee wasted, though. Just a terrible thought. I know I'm not the only one who, ha- who has had a rough Monday morning, which got me thinking, are Mondays cursed? Ooh. Really? I mean, it's probably psychologically cursed right. because we all just don't want a Monday. Probably not. But after that, I made my second coffee. I went to write this week's story and had curses on my mind. So I Googled famous curses, and we've actually done quite a few of them. Right. We've got Busby's Chair, the Crying Boy Painting, and the Poltergeist Curse, which all three of those were on all the top lists. Yeah, yeah. I love the story of the Coney, Koenur Diamond. Almost did that one. It brings every female that owns it wealth and power. Right. The queen actually owns it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but every male, death and torture. Yep. Girl power with diamonds. <laughs> but I couldn't pronounce half the names in the story. So I moved on. And there's on. also a lot to it. Like that thing has been passed down forever. Has it? I, I I started to read the story. I'm like, I literally will not be able to pronounce these names. Well, I've almost done it like three different times. But I'm like, it's just, it would be so long. Yeah. And and like as it's passed down, like each person that has it like slightly changes. It's like cut or this, that, another. So over time, it's lost like four carrots or something just because. Why would somebody do that? It's just constantly being changed. <laughs> I'll just take those leftover carrots. Literally, the shavings. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, exactly. I I can't even keep up with this. <laughs> <laughs> it was I'm stunning. I'm sure there's a mysteries at the museum. Um, was it? No, I, I came across oh. it just Googling because the Hope Diamond was obvious. Right. But this one I had never heard of. Oh, maybe. I'm thinking of the Hope Diamond. Similar story. Passed down, passed down, passed yes. down. Um, but it's actually, this one is on one of the King's Crowns in Whoa. The Tower of London that I've actually seen. Uh So that was, it was kind of full circle. And, you know, I thought I could wear a tiara during telling the story. (laughs) But, you know, maybe during one of the live ones. Kitsy shit. Um, So I remembered a story I saw. Yep. You guessed it on Mysteries at the Museum (laughs) uh, that I'd wanted to do forever, but it never came to mind when actually sitting down to write a story, which brings me to the Curse of Giles Corey. And the story goes. A little something like this. In the late 1700s, ignorance and thirst for power brought us the Salem witch trials. Interestingly enough, side note, everybody on the Travel Channel that has a ghost show has pretty much announced that they're going to investigate Salem live for four hours during Ghost Tober. 
which oh, amazing. Yeah. Random, I want to go to awesome. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's a few things that could have deemed anybody, specifically me as a witch back in one of those days. Well, not this one. If you're rich or financially independent, if you've had an argument or disagreement with someone, if you're a healer, if you have exhibited stubborn, strange, or forward behavior, if you had sex out of wedlock, if you have attempted to predict the identity of your future husband, who hasn't done that? Um, if you've broken virtually any rule in the Bible and thus entered into a pact with the devil or are married but have few to no children. Whatever. Before I knew anything more about the witch trials, I thought all of them were just actual witches. You know, when you learn about it yeah. in history class and whatever grade that is. Like we're talking crystal balls, black cats, and evil spells. That's Brooms. exactly what I thought they all were. Cauldrons. Yes. And toils. Essentially and hocus troubles. pocus. Literally. <laughs> um, but in reality, what I'm seeing here is a trend. Anyone smart who had their own thoughts didn't fit into society's version of what they thought people should be or any sense at all would be deemed a witch if someone didn't like them. Fuckers. <laughs> um, or if the town just wanted your land, come to find out as well. Whoa. I had no idea. Fuck that. That's crazy. Yeah. The thought is terrifying for weirdos like us and most of the general population of everywhere. I hate people. I fucking hate people. Okay, so here's a list. Some of the poor people who were convicted of being a witch during their time and their ridiculous accusations. Just a few of them because there were a whole lot. Bridget Bishop, she was 50 years old. She just had a bad reputation. Okay. Sarah Good, age 39. She was begging for handouts because she was poor. Elizabeth Howe, 57, accused of bewitching local girls. Without going into the whole story, apparently I come to find out something else new doing this. This is all accusations by young girls. So they probably get, I don't know this story at all. I didn't read into this part, but I'm seeing it as these bitches got caught doing something they shouldn't do right. and blamed everybody else. The world hasn't changed. Anyway, God, I'm a bitter bitch. Um, next up, Susanna Martin, age 71. Martin was accused of witchcraft by the afflicted girls, said girls, in 1692. Susanna Martin was taken to Salem Village, brought to trial on June 29th, and executed on July 19th. Eh, eh, fuck. Executed on July 19th, 1692. That was a lot of numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Next up, Sarah Wilde, age 65. She was accused of fornicating out of wedlock and of wearing a silk scarf. The silk scarf I get. You know, no, again, from last weekend, silk scarves are just not trendy. <laughs> Next up, Martha Carrier, age 33, for arguing over land rights. John Willard says he was about 30. I obviously didn't know. For giving a cross look to his wife's grandfather, Bray Wilkins. Just a few days later, Bray's grandson, Daniel Wilkins, was found dead. Uh, his body bloody and beaten. Just because the oh other guy gave the gosh. other dude a bad look. Whatever. George Jacob Sr., age 72, accused by his granddaughter of being a reluctant churchgoer and was an outspoken critic of the Salem Witch Trials. Ooh. And, oh, P-U-D-E-A-T-O-R, Pudator, age 70, for having a sharp tongue and owning <laughs> medical supplies. How dare he? She was a freaking midwife. How dare her? <laughs> of course she's going to have fucking medical supplies. Wilmot Reed, age unknown. For having an abrasive personality. That's it. I'd be a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Martha Corey, age 72. Martha lived in the outskirts of Salem Village and was the wife of wealthy farmer Giles Corey. 
our stories about Mr. Giles. Corey had a reputation for being a pious member of the community, despite the well-known fact that she had a child out of wedlock in the 1670s. Martha Corey was also an outspoken critic of the Salem witch trials and stated many times that the affected girls were liars. Same, Martha. Same. During her own examination, she told the judge, we must not believe all that these distracted children say. In March, Giles Corey testified against his own wife in court, stating that she may have been bewitched from his farm animals and himself. She was later hanged. Oh, great. Yeah. There's some loose ends in that. I'm not sure. Next up, Giles Corey. Okay. Age 71. Giles was a wealthy farmer who lived in the outskirts of Salem, just like his wife, apparently, that, you know, they lived together. (laughs) He had a reputation for being an angry, violent man and was once charged with murdering his farmhand in 1676. He was found guilty, but only suffered a fine for his actions. Oh, the good old days. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Many locals included Tom Puntum, suspected Corey had paid a bribe for his freedom. In April 1692, Giles Corey was accused of witchcraft after his wife had also been accused. Um, and But he, however, and refused to enter a plea in an attempt to prevent his case from going to trial. He didn't even want to be tried for it. He reportedly knew he was going to die, either in jail or on the gallows, and wanted to avoid being convicted before he did. Hmm. Kind of smart. Because he refused to enter a plea of guilty or innocent, Giles Corey was made to lie under a board as heavy stones were placed upon him. Sheriff George Corwin administered the torture, which was designed to make Corey enter a plea. Um, I think he thought, you know, the heavier the shit got, the more I'm guilty, whatever. But still, they're going to kill him. So. At the time, people who did not plea could not technically be tried for a crime. Over the course of two days, two days, Giles was pressed by the sheriff, placing more and more of the heaviest rocks in the area on top of him. This is miserable. The sheriff occasionally stood on the board himself. I'm picturing him like jumping up and down. Agreed. um, Which earns him this week's Dick Face Award. And Giles always answered... More weight when he asked when he was asked to enter a plea. Wow. Three days later, later, Giles was crushed by the final stone, but beforehand he was able to mutter five words: "I curse you and Salem." Ooh. And if he was a witch, he said he bewitched his wife. Maybe he's the real deal. Maybe he is. Um. Or he just wanted to eternally like. Fuck mess with, with them. them. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, and some stories say that, you know, as he was finally crushed, like his eyeballs popped out of his head, his tongue swelled up and fell out. But I wasn't going to say that, but I totally did because it's very entertaining in a terrible way. Okay. <laughs> Local Salem. No, I'm sorry. When he finally died without entering a plea on S- September 19th, Corey's estate passed to his sons. If he had pled, the estate would have gone to the government. Hmm. Something so fishy Mm -hmm. with this. And good on you, Giles, for putting your family first above all this bullshit. Local Salem historian and former high school sheriff of Essex... No, not high school. (laughs) Local Salem historian and former high sheriff of Essex County, Robert Ellis Cahill discovered some years ago that the curse of Giles Corey may have come to bear. Mm. He notes that each and every sheriff down from George Corwin to himself, each headquartered at the Salem jail overlooking the place where Corey was killed, had died while in office or had been forced out of his post as a result of a heart or blood ailment. Wow. So nobody even realized it was going on. Until this dude comes along is like, oh, right. wait a minute here. Something's not right. I mean, he may have written a book. So. <laughs> 1970s, Salem Sheriff Robert E. Cahill 
was forced to retire due to multiple health issues. He proceeded to look into the history of the sheriff's office, as described in the book, Cursed in New England. So this is an excerpt from the book. About 300 years later, in 1978, Robert Cahill, while in office, can I even say anything (laughs) right today? Uh. While in office, suffered a rare blood disease, a heart attack, and a stroke. Oh, my. Doctors could not find the cause of these afflictions. He was forced to retire as sheriff of Essex County and as master and keeper of the jail. Today, he lives in Florida. Mr. Cahill notes that the sheriff before him also contracted a serious blood ailment while in office. It forced him to retire. He, in turn, had inherited the post from his father after the elder man died of a heart attack. While serving as sheriff, the previous sheriff had suffered heart problems as well. Oh, my gosh. So have all the others as far back as I could trace. So he just went back as far as he possibly could. And everybody. Crazy. (laughs) He says, and the two men who have followed me have had an awful lot of legal trouble. Hmm. Hmm. So according to legend, the afflictions finally ended in 1991, the exact same year the sheriff's office moved from Salem to Middletown. So there you have it, the curse of the sheriffs of Salem, Massachusetts. And the moral of this story, kids, is fucking stop judging people for being what you think is different. We're all who we are, and it's our differences that make us interesting Slash end rant. Don't pe- put people under a board and squish no, them. No, stop judging. I mean, I, I judge, but I'm not mean about it. And stay off of Facebook if you're judgy. Sticks anyway. and stones may break my bones until you squish the shit out of me. <laughs> Literally. And I die. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's good though. Go. So that's why it sounds familiar. So I've actually been to Salem and that's why I like the name. Oh, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which if any of you guys have a chance to go. It's amazing. It really is. Incredible. Don't go in October. I was literally going to say, <laughs> don't go in October. That's when Kitsy went, and apparently it was the worst. It was like it was just really land busy. on yeah, yeah. Star Wars opening day. <laughs> I went shortly after Halloween. It was like mid-November, and it was great. It was not busy at all. And they probably still had all the cider mimosas and all the fun Well, I was going to say it actually, you could tell they were just like coming off of it because everyone was just like brain dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But all the cute little witchy shops. Oh, my gosh. And- all the shops. And... So I went with one of our good friends, Trevor. Oh, yeah. And him and I actually created our own like Hocus Pocus like s- film site tour. You know, and I've so, never seen that movie. What? I need to. You Everybody always to. talks about yeah. it. And so, yeah, we just walked around like to the different spots that they filmed the movie and like reenacted not scenes, but just pictures like from the same angles. <laughs> oh, I love but, it. Um, I saw the pictures. Still yeah. haven't seen the movie. It's good. It's great. So, so my yeah. story... Oh, wait. Were you going to say something else about it? Absolutely not. So as you know, the day job, we've been focusing a lot on Salt Lake recently. Yes. And And I've been editing an episode from Salt Lake. Yes. Full circle. And so I was like, I wonder, because there aren't any cryptids that just like scream that they're from Utah or Salt Lake that I knew of. And so I started doing some digging. And there are, but there also aren't any that are just like, I could do a full episode. So this is just going to be Utah cryptids. Yes. Are we going searching when we go? We better. Okay. So at least take a step into the woods and say we tried. <laughs> Utah as it is yours. It's one of the more beautiful states I've ever been to. It's just you literally have the Rocky Mountains on one side. You have the I mean the Great Salt Lake. It's, it's literally just, purple mountain majesties. We just went to a wedding in Zion like it's just beautiful Stunning. everywhere. So while all of that stuff is very popular des- destination for people from all over the world, one feature of this landscape has been surprising a number of reports of strange creatures roaming its area. Okay. So one of the more well-known strange pieces of Utah is what has come to be called the Bear Lake Monster. So Bear Lake itself is located on the Utah-Idaho border just northeast of Salt Lake City. Okay. It's a popular destination for people looking to enjoy the lake's many activities like boating, fishing, 
it's just like a very tourist driven lake. But what's really cool is that it has like this turquoise coloration in the water, which has it nicknamed the Caribbean of the Rockies. Insta-worthy. Yes, very (laughs) insta-worthy. And again, surrounded by mountains. So people just like flock to it because it's beautiful. But so it's reportedly home to a large, mysterious water monster. <gasps> Tales Tell of a monster more. in Bear Lake go back to at least the early 1800s. The creature was apparently often seen by early Mormon colonists coming or going to the water near the shore, which has commonly been reported as being a cream-colored serpentine creature about 30 feet in length. Oh, that's with a terrifying. wide alligator-like head, short squat legs, and a powerful tail. You should see my face right now. Right. (laughs) Doesn't seem like a fortunate looking animal. No. At times, the creature was said to come ashore for brief periods to roam about. And then when it was occasionally reported as spewing water as if it had like a blowhole, like a whale. Right. The creature is also known to the native Shoshone people of. So I'm assuming that's like a Native American. Yeah, for sure. And they call it the water devil. And they say that it's malicious. It's a malicious evil entity and to be avoided at all costs. Oh, that's that's not terrifying at all. Right. Not at all. So the monster was said to not be shy about dining on animals that are like actually native there and even humans that come close to the shore or went swimming in the lakes. Oh, dear God. Right. Terrifying. So the Shoshone people often claim that the beast's favorite thing to eat was uh, the various bison at the area in the area at the time wait how big is this thing 30 feet long oh, shit because a bison is not tiny <laughs> right chomp sightings were supposedly made of the creature well into the late 1800s with some notable reports by early pioneers in the region so the creature creature was seen in 1860 by the sons of a marion thomas and phineas cook as they were out on their boat fishing the phineas massive- is the best name by the way go ahead right <laughs> The massive creature, in this case, came dangerously close to their small boat, and the two witnesses were so terrified that they thought it actually might like capsize their boat. And eat them. And eat them. <laughs> in 1871, two men saw the bizarre creature and claimed to have hit it with shots fired from their rifles, but that the bullets had no effect on the animal whatsoever. Of course not. A few years later, in 1874, a wagon train captain saw the monster around 20 yards from shore and would describe it as its face and part of its head were distinctly seen covered with fur or short hair with a light color. It was flat faced with very large eyes, prominent ears and a neck about four to five feet in length. If he saw the same thing, he must have been eating mushrooms he found in the wood. I was like, that's very different than the other description. (laughs) So this particular sighting gained a lot of publicity, though. Oh, as it has been related personally to none other than Brigham Young himself, which Brigham Young is the person behind the Mormon he's, church. He's the big guns. Right. And sorry, I just paraphrased what I, I had do that written anyways. <laughs> so indeed, after the sighting, Brigham Young himself supposedly made arrangements to catch the creature by linking what? a 300 foot long rope. To the shore and topping it with a thick cable and massive barbed hooks baited with mutton, M-U-T-T-O-N. Mutton? Mutton. I, I don't know. Never heard of her. Which was then suspended in the water with a buoy. Although every attempt... The so it's bait, like a ginormous fishing rod thing. Yes. Okay. Every attempt, the bait was gone, which they don't know <gasps> by what, but nothing was caught. Around this time, a local rancher claimed that something had taken 20 of his sheep from their graving grazing grounds near the shore of the lake shit right so naturally this thing just becomes a media sensation appearing in every newspaper and you know publication all over the area of course so one of the first journalists to report on the creature claimed that his original claimed that his original story in a 1868 article had been an elaborate hoax so right but the sightings continued into the 1900s, when in 1907, two men rather dramatically claimed to have seen the monster come crashing into their camp to kill and drag away one of their horses. Horses, oh God. <laughs> Right. 
I'm just, you said dramatically, so I just pictured this whole scene. Anyway, Absolutely. <laughs> so then in 1946, it was seen again by a Boy Scout Scoutmaster. And again, was, we trust the Boy Scouts. Absolutely. And in as recent as 2002, by a local business owner, Bear Lake, um, Brian Hershey, we'll take his name out, by a local business owner. <laughs> <laughs> whether it was ever whether it ever existed or not well did it does it still have hair or does it not that's I don't know my because big some question. of the other pictures that I've seen literally just look like a more like frog like alligator like massive though but well, it's the cream colored that sounds so scary agreed. to me but the bear lake monster has certainly become the area's like one of their main lore and legend and at the same time some sort of like tourist attraction so like this is one of the sketches like, you know, it kind of looks like an alligator, but its hands look like hands. a frog <laughs> with a, like well, a, a tail. Maybe it was like an albino. Are, are alligators or crocodiles any... indigenous to that area? I don't think so. Did I use the word indigenous correctly? Oh. I don't think that's where they live. Okay. But too the, many even the albino alligators are terrifying. Right. But me. also that one doesn't have fur. So true. Um, So nearby Salt Lake itself is said to have its own fair share of strange creatures, which is rather odd considering how inhospitable to life it is. Okay. So Salt Lake itself, the enormous 1700 square mile Great Salt Lake is in general about five to six times saltier than ocean water. Which is crazy. Which has made it completely devoid of life with the only organisms able to deal with the amount of salt are like these weird brine shrimp. Oh. They're like literally the only things. Which are tiny crustaceans, not even a half inch in length with transparent bodies. Like little sea monkeys. Yeah. So, and they're also like these little flies and a few species of bacteria and algae, but that's literally it. Like, that's so the only yuck. thing that's. There are no fish in the lake, and it's the last place that anyone would expect to find like a monster, mm -hmm. like a salt lake Nessie. Yet, of course, there have been reports from time to time of just that. Ooh. So, and I found this really interesting, in Linda Dunning's book, it's called Lost Landscapes, Utah's Ghosts, Mysterious Creatures, and Aliens, it's mentioned that in the late 1800s, a whale farmer, so You can keep farm whales? Right, had this far out notion that populating Great Salt Lake with whales could happen, and that he was very confident that they could survive in the lake's salty water. Okay. So he spent a year in Australia catching whales. In a ship that he had specifically built to hold enough seawater. Far too much time on his hands. To bring I'm these sorry. whales back to Utah without harming them. So, what? And also this is funny that he spent a whole year catching whales. And then the next sentence. In 1873, he brings two 35-foot long <laughs> whales that were caught and brought to Salt Lake. From Australia. From, to it, yeah. None of this makes sense. Where they were kept in a custom-built pen at the mouth of Bear River, which flows into the Great Salt Lake. Okay. Unfortunately, it was not long until the two whales literally went free willy and broke out of their enclosure, <laughs> smashing the wall and disappearing into the lake. And this is all true. Like, okay. this happened. The whales would not be found, and they just assumed that they died because they were right. in the Salt Lake. Six months later, now 60 feet long. What? They're spotted, like these two whales. Yeah. They've almost in the Salt Lake. In Great Salt Lake. Almost doubled inside. Okay. With an entourage of smaller whales from three to fifteen feet. Baby long whales. With them. Literally baby whales. So the whales thrived in the lake until they were eventually hunted to extinction by whalers. Although there have been sporadic reports of whales in the lake since then, whales are not usually, you know, like just lingering. So the surrounding area of Great Salt Lake have produced reports of camels roaming around, probably the descendants of escaped animals used by the military, because they also like had camels out there as well. Okay, but Wait, I, so yes, I just need a second. Literally, someone brought whales to Salt Lake, and then later they were hunted. <laughs> so what does this farmer wear? You know, you've got farmers in Indiana with their overalls know. and their straw hat. What what does the guy that says, you know what? I'm gonna freaking harvest. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow some whales. What what does he wear? Maybe he just looks like a fisherman. Oh, the the Gorton's fisherman. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. okay, I feel better now. Sorry, go ahead. So for a place that is so known for being hospitable to aquatic life, 
There are a lot of alleged mysterious creatures that have been long said to dwell there. Native tribes of the area used to tell early explorers of a fierce monster with a huge head that prowled the waters near the shore and was known to snatch birds and even horses or cattle from the shallows. The monster was often blamed for many cattle that mysteriously disappeared in the area. Another mysterious lake monster was reported in, eight, in the 1840s when a man reported seeing a creature that looked like a dolphin swimming in the lake near Antelope Island, the largest of the lake's 11 known islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another creature, water creature is an alligator-like monster that reportedly lurks within the lake's depths. It's the same monster from the other lake. Just hopping lakes. Yeah. In 1871, several employees of Barnes & Company Salt Works Company, the terrible name, reported seeing a huge creature that looked like an alligator with the head of a horse off Monument Point what? on the northern shores of Great Salt Lake. I think there were drugs involved. Yes. The creature reportedly let out a deep bellowing noise and then chased the men up a hill where they remained until daylight. Oh, my God. Upon returning, they had seen the monster the day before. They discovered overturned boulders, tracks, and the ground torn up by some thrashing creature. Alligator-like creatures have been spotted from time time to time in the lake since then, ranging in size from five feet all the way up to 75 feet. Oh, sh- so, and this is all Salt Lake. These yes, Salt Lake. Okay. In addition to the strange water beast, flying prehistoric creatures, of course, are we also allegedly home to Great Salt Lake, and <clears throat> sorry, as well as tiny horses the size of dogs are said to have roamed the shores. I want one. Some of the, right, some <laughs> of the islands, and mysterious tribes of tribe of natives that reportedly ride around on elephants, a lost tribe of white Indians that lives on the lake's islands, and bizarre white bears that stalk the salt flats. These are also called salt bears. and they're, said, they're covered in salt. Yep. And they're said to completely blend into the surroundings that only that you can literally only see the blacks of their eyes. Right. Huh. So these mysterious bears are said to terrorize drivers along lonely stretches of road and have been blamed for damage to rows to roads that cross like where they live. There are also strange creatures that native people of the area refer to as water babies. These creatures were said to be the size of human beings with their appearance like classic mermaids, along with long black hair and fishtail. But the most unusual feature was their odd like vocalizations, which were said to sound like babies crying, hence their name, water babies. What? They are, That's the most terrifying of them all. Exactly. They're seen as dangerous creatures that supposedly seduced victims into the water where they dr- were drugged down to a watery death. Huh. That's just a lot. It is. So there have been a, literally a ton of bizarre beasts reported throughout the state. In, 19, in the 1950s, Utah, as well as Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico were plagued by a series of sightings by what was described as basically screaming kangaroos. <laughs> literally. <laughs> These entities were commonly described as being about four feet tall, about 150 pounds, and having powerful hind legs, stubby arms, and sharp teeth. Most bizarre descriptions that they had reptilian features and even wings. In all cases, the creatures were reported as capable of letting out a blood-curdling, unearthly scream. Otherworldly. Otherworldly. The most rational explanation is that these were some actual large species of kangaroo, um, which includes... Like the gray kangaroo and the red kangaroo, it's what's called the the scientific name for the kangaroo. I'm not going to attempt it. Maybe old boy, when he was grabbing the whales from Australia, brought back some kangaroos as well. Literally. Hmm. They were stowaways we in the whale it. boat. <laughs> Another possible sighting of what just seems out of place happened in 1987 when one eyewitness allegedly driving a semi full of potatoes east um, a long stretch of I-80 in Utah heading toward Wyoming. He draw, drove back up. As he drove beep, beep, along this road, beep. Oh, sorry. the witness claimed to have seen what appeared to be a large tan-colored cat of some kind stalking about on the side of the road. So he slows his truck down to get a better look to see what the animal would look like, thinking it was like a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. But it was. he says that it was larger than a mountain lion, bulging with muscle, and a very short stub tail. And so in his actual report, he says that this big tan looking cat was very muscular. And I mean, very muscular, more than a puma or a mountain lion should be. You could see all the muscles bulging out of everywhere on its body, its face when it walked and ran. 
This cat had a very short, stubby tail. To me, this cat resembled the large cat family that you would see normally in a museum or prehistoric books, like a saber-toothed tiger, Ooh. except that it did not have any large teeth or fangs coming out of its upper jaw, like you would see in a saber-toothed mm-hmm. tiger. But anyway, when I when I seen this big or large cat... You can't... You know, southern uh, really accent. <laughs> I'm sure glad that I was not hiking there at the time, like so many people I've seen doing along that same stretch. I... I hope this true sighting of mine will help somebody out there in the state of Utah be more cautious about their surroundings and what might be there. I know that I would be watching my back if I were hiking in a state like Utah, especially in the Rocky Mountain states. So even stranger than screaming kangaroos or large muscular cats, this person saw a winged snake of some sort near Salt Lake in 2005. The person who remained anonymous... (laughs) Of course. Of course. Claims that it was seen by him and two other friends around noon in some tall grass feeding on the carcass of a dead deer. The beast was described being around nine feet long, maybe 245 pounds, looking like a dark brown snake with purple stripes, glowing eyes, and tiny wings on its back. No. More terrifying than the baby mermaids. Yes. Between its eyes, it's said to be there was a notable scar and allegedly had a terrible stench of dead skunk and sewer mixed together. So it smells like Bigfoot. Literally. So the witness said that they observed the snake feeding for several minutes from about four yards away, which that's very close if you ask me. Yeah. And before it noticed their presence and it hissed at them and fled into the grass at a great speed. Well, I feel like that thing could have ate them. So Absolutely. Um so also in June 2005, there was a sighting of a creature that really, it was just odd. So the witness claims that they were walking through an area with some others when they startled a short squat humanoid creature about three and a half feet tall with a hairy body, reptilian facial features, and noticeably protruding nipples. Hmm. I swear. Also rather strange was it supposedly smelled exactly like bleach. Upon what? seeing the approaching group... The little creature made a loud gaggling sound and bounded away into the woods at a speed they said was about 30 miles an hour. What's a gaggling sound? Let me let me I hear your know. impersonation. That's just what they <laughs> said. That's what I thought. I was thinking like a little goblin noise. But <laughs> also. My goblin noise. Oh, my God. There's just a couple more. Um, There's also plenty of weird accounts concerning <laughs> more winged creatures. Okay. So the skies of Utah are said to be proud by a strange creature that the native people refer to as the Great Mosquito or the Giant Mosquito Monster. Okay, this is the most terrifying one of My them My new personal nightmare. <laughs> like, if you guys don't know, I'm always attacked by mosquitoes everywhere we go. We, we could be standing next to each other. I get zero mosquito bites, and he's just over there just smacking himself. Yes. Looking like a third base coach, like, doing all this. <laughs> it's said to suck blood from the victims and blame for the death of many of the tribesmen. Giant winged creatures, occasionally reported around Great Salt Lake, um, have been seen for a long time, but most well-publicized came around 1903 when a story concerning the sighting of an enormous winged monstrosity that looked like a pterodactyl circulated several newspapers, including the Denver News, the Logan Sport Pharaohs, and the Pittsburgh Press, among others. Hmm. The report stated that two hunters allegedly spoke spotted what they referred to as a prehistoric monster at a place called Stansbury Island. The bizarre beast was described as a combination of fish, alligator, and bat. And Which, pterodactyl. Makes right, sense. And being equally at home in the air or in water. So it was just like, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, to give you an idea of how big it is, reported at being 65 feet long. Oh, shit. Covered in horny scales with a head like an alligator and gaping maw-filled what does that mean? Um, with saw-like teeth okay. and glowing eyes, naturally. The wings were described being a bat with a hundred-foot wingspan, oh, tip to pit. But, like, where is this thing hiding? You know, of all those things, I would believe there's still a pterodactyl somewhere. You know a hundred feet. It just, it, it, it hangs out in, like, you know, forests in Canada, and maybe it was, it got screwed up on its migration patterns. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. They said that the monster disappeared into a cave and and they could hear the sickening crunching of bones for around an hour before they carefully made their way back to the camp on the other side. The bitch has got to eat. Right. 
Other reports of strange creatures in Utah have rather surreal vibe to them. And this I saved my favorite for last because it's a little more otherworldly. Okay. In 2003, a witness known that claimed to be known as or wanted to be known as Gus B claims that he had a very strange encounter. Gus and his younger brother were headed towards a wedding reception for a, f- a good friend of theirs in Maine Park, a rural park in Dry Fork Canyon, which was a 15 minute drive outside Vernal, Utah. At the reception, a few friends of Gus suggest they go out exploring. Never a good idea. No. Because, you know, they were probably like drinking and this is yeah. how every like scary movie scary starts. Movie starts. <laughs> so after about 15 minutes, they came to a clearing where the temperature had dramatically dropped and there was a deep, thick sense of dread permeating in the air. And they all thought this. As oh. they walked into it, they also noticed that there were various bones from cattle scat- scattered around on the ground. After around 10 minutes of walking through this, the group came across something very odd. And this is like a public statement from them. They mm-hmm. said, we came into the area in the woods and it was um, it was thick and a little too dark to be day. And it was only like 6 p.m. Okay. My brother tapped me on the shoulder and quietly said, do you see that? About 15 yards away in the thick of the woods was a distinguishable dark shape that was huge. It looked like a gorilla sitting on its knuckles, but it was completely black and and far too tall to be a bear. It was about, about seven feet tall in a crouching position. About this time, everyone in the group took notice to it. And there was some quiet consci- caution and a, and a leery eye. They continued their trek into the woods in a different direction. <laughs> the trees were rustling and swaying, but there was no wind. The air was dead, a dead standstill. This spooked Tony. Well, again, this is just report. So my brother decided that they, we had seen enough, and our friend Cassidy agreed to take him back to the park. That left Brian, David, and I behind to wait for him. By this time, nightfall had already descended upon us. This disturbed me considerably as I was, as I had left at five, and we weren't even an hour into the journey. Suddenly, we began to hear odd hooting sounds coming from the trees. So Brian called them Indian hoots, but I suggested that it was just an owl. My suggestion proved incorrect as the hooting sounds intensified and came from places that had no source. Like a spot a few feet away from my head, he heard this. In the clearing. Yes. Okay. At this point, things were getting weird, but it was all about to get worse. As we continued to wait for Cassie to return, David seemed to be having an odd like panic attack. He could barely speak, almost as if the entity was trying to keep him from speaking. And he seemed genuinely terrified by something. Brian held his hand and tried to talk to him without much success. While this was happening, their backs faced the woods, me facing into it. Out of nowhere, red eyes flashed out of the darkness. It was gone before I could ask if anyone else saw it. Brian was still trying to help David when a few minutes later, the eyes flashed at me again. Only the eyes were 10 more yards or so to the right is where they'd been last time. I asked Brian if he saw the eyes. Just the eyes. Just the eyes. Okay. And he indeed caught it too, like something red out of the corner of his eyes. David seemed to have calmed down for just a bit when both Brian and I saw the eyes for a third time, another good distance to the right again. Somehow we were behind enemy lines and I had a feeling we weren't going to be leaving soon. The fact that David's fragmented tirade centered around demons didn't help at all. Oh God! Finally, Cassie returned and I noticed that things were a bit brighter. As fate would have it, there was a full moon shining down on us and I was once again flabbergasted that the moon, that the moon was out. When we had only been in the woods a little over an hour, Cassidy asked if we wanted to continue deeper into the woods. Cassidy's crazy. Yeah. Brian, David, and I all agreed that it was best to return to the park. So, and that was the end of that, of the report. So, as in, as strange as this all sounds, things would, like, continue to get more weird. As okay. they made their retreat from the area, the trees began to sway again as if blown by a strong wind, even though there was no wind at all that evening. At this point... The witness claims to have turned around to see a number of grayish white humanoid figures running alongside a good clip, whatever that means. As they ran like their life depended on it, the witness observed that they had a distinct feeling that the woods were closing in on them. After running for about 15 minutes, they managed to reach a point point from which they had left and the strange creatures seemed to be nowhere in sight. Strangely enough, when they saw people that they, they had been looking for them, six hours had passed. Oh, shit. And they had only been gone for like an hour. The weird account was very hard to categorize. And one wonders what really could have happened. So there are a lot. Utah is certainly a place of natural magnificence and wonder. But there are more than enough phenomena to keep one busy for a while. Oh, yeah. And 
literally as I was going, I was just like in this rabbit hole and I was like, oh, this sure. one's good. This one's good. Yeah. But how many of them are hoaxes? And there have been a number of people that have seen what they say are aliens and then all the Salt Lake monsters and other river monsters. But I think we have some work to do. We could spend a year there, it sounds like. A year, catch yeah. two whales, <laughs> yeah. come back. And, and you know, giant mosquitoes. Right. We'd have to buy all the off with DEET. <laughs> uh, here's my question with, with like water cryptids. I feel like in this day and age, we have scientific equipment that can like scan a lake, don't we? Right. Okay. Maybe they're just not too concerned about it. Maybe they're just like, maybe they don't want to know. Right. But I was like. <laughs> that was great. Well, at first I was like, I'm just going to do the cryptids. But then I couldn't leave out the alien story. No. But. That was actually an intense story. Very intense. And, but what so many people say about aliens is that, or abductions, is that they feel like only a short amount of time mm-hmm. has gone by when in all honesty, it's been a lot longer. Yeah. Whatever I've happened to Bigfoot at the beginning of the story? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that was just like. The leader. Bigfoot's an alien, maybe. Hmm. Different realm. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting stuff, though, sir. I appreciate that story. (laughs) That was good. Now I can't wait to get to Salt Lake. Right. How far is Salt Lake from Salt Lake City? Oh, you can see it. Like from the hotels. So when you're flying in, you could absolutely see it. Okay. So basically, there's like the lake, the city, and the airports in between the two. Okay. Got it. So if you see the city, look the other way. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. That makes complete sense. No, good stories, though. I do have a super quick celebrity story. Have you heard of Sven Gulli? I have. We've worked with him a few times. Yes. I love him to pieces. So I grew up in the Chicagoland area, and our local horror host was Sven Gulli, and he was sarcastic and creepy and everything I ever wanted to be in my entire life. And I should probably blame this man for my personality. (laughs) But um, we were in between photo ops and I'm like, okay, we've got two minutes. Do you have a ghost story? And he did. Okay. uh, My family and I were renting a house in, I think it's Fenville, Michigan, right near the lakefront there. And it was like an old farmhouse and kind of cool. And I don't know if this is related or not, but one morning my wife says, look out the window, there's a turtle out there with a painted shell. And I look outside and there's no turtle. Okay. And it's like, okay, that's great. So later on, we're all downstairs and from upstairs in the place, we hear a sound that sounds like somebody shoved over like a giant dresser or something. Loud noise. And so we run upstairs, there's nothing absolutely nothing and we thought okay well that was weird and we went outside and looked there was nothing that could have been affected by wind or anything Uh and we thought okay well that's just strange and we went back and my daughter was already looking at these pictures on the wall that were like like children in I want to say you know like 17th century garb and she just said boy those are really weird and then another night we're downstairs the same huge loud noise happens upstairs there's nothing nothing fell over there didn't seem to be anything that you know like you might think wind and duck work or something nothing so ever since then when we're up in michigan if we pass by my daughter goes there's the ghost house so do we think it was a ghost of the turtle (laughs) i think it was the ghost of the turtle's owner perhaps there we go looking for the turtle turtles i know all i can think is that little i like turtles (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Sven Gulli, for being a part of the show. I really appreciate that. It was, it was odd, and it's like yes. never again. No closure, none whatsoever. So yeah, I love when we have celebrity stories. I know, me too. Um, speaking of stories, we want your stories, all of them, all the stories. I um, it's honestly my favorite part of the show when we do have a celebrity. Ghost story. We don't do a a listener submitted mm-hmm. stories, but we're hoping to have an episode up real soon that is chock full of listener stories. But you know what? I was so I was listening to my favorite murder. Surprise! Um, they're back. They took like a hiatus, Ooh. which nice. I did not know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, but they were talking about their mini sods, and they're like, you know, why I like these because I don't have to do any work. Same girls, <laughs> same. 
So send in all the stories to oddityfilescrew at gmail and save me some work. Yeah. Do you leave, live in Utah? Have you ever seen any of those things? Or I hope do you not. have your own story of Bigfoot or UFOs or curses? Anything. Just send them our way. Make sure they are like a story length. Don't make them just a couple yes. sentences so that we can Beginning, tell them. Beginning, middle, and end. But we do love telling them, so send them our way. We do. And um, we are Oddity Files, and we appreciate you guys. I'm just saying. We do. You guys, I, I, I can't even with with our listenership right now. I look at these numbers that come on our little app thingy here, and I'm like, where are these people coming from? Where do they live? <laughs> They're amazing. And I wish I could hug every each and one. Each and every one of you, God, words are hard today. But um, you guys are telling your friends and your moms and your grandmas and your dads and your uncles, and we appreciate it. And we appreciate everything you guys do on social by spreading the word. Speaking of social, check out our socials at Oddity Files. We had the coolest um, Photoshop. Yeah, thing is submitted by <laughs> Ursula Good. She took a, an Entertainment Weekly that was of the Ghostbusters, and she put all of our heads on it. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's Ursula so, so is funny. magical <laughs> with the Photoshop. She's like, so I've, this is my weekend. Send me some stuff and some things, and I'll see what I can do. And she came out of the gates with that, and I was like, so good. This is so amazing. And, <laughs> and Carter, I think Carter's head was on Ernie Hudson, so it looks like he has this never-ending neck beard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. And I love you guys. And I appreciate all the stuff and all the things. Have a story that, you know, you've heard a little bit about and you want to know more about, email us. Yeah, we'll do we'll, it. We can look into it. Um, it's, again, oddityfilescrew at Gmail. I am Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Clayton Abbott. And weird is the new cool. Goodbye. Ghost on. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>